Hey, it's episode one of TV Junk, and this is Peacemaker Season 1. My name is Greg Gaspari, and thanks for checking out the pod on the show today. We've got a former Film Junk guest and a man who seems to have very strong feelings about Don't Look Up, Mr. Zach Bronson. Zach, you are, uh, you, you've got some stuff on social media about Don't Look Up. What's your deal with that movie? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I <laughs> I'm just I'm joining the anti Adam McKay club uh, <laughs> with Frank and uh, maybe some others. But yeah, I mean, I just I just did Zach's not like. Tweets, I, I haven't I haven't been on Twitter in a long time. But last time I saw Zach's tweets were protected, so maybe he doesn't want that to be public. Oh uh, well, what what I was real what the the real tweet was about is a tweet from Bill Simmons talking about how Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one, should have been nominated for uh, Academy Award instead of Don't Look Up. I, I think he was joking, though, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but Zach, I like his letterbox scores for Texas Chainsaw Massacre are coming in. He's he's commenting on other people's stuff. Like he's he's fired uh, up about about this movie i'm I'm angry about both the reactions of the public and uh don't look up (laughs) well the uh the voices have uh given the other guests away so also on the show we've got the man behind uh film junk we've got mr lobot himself sean dwyer (laughs) yes hello thanks for having me and uh and finally we have co-host of film junk co-host of ball junk co-host of game junk part-time uber driver you know him as, you know him as dirty frank or frankie knuckles or fired up frank it's frank knesich hello how's it going let's that was a subdued gas man intro i'm not used to that that is way too calm we gotta this is the first episode of tv junk i am fired up i consumed all eight episodes of peacemaker over the course of 24 hours and i have a lot of thoughts well, I mean, we can only have one fired up person uh, per show, I think. And so, <laughs> I, you know, ball junk is ball junk is the gas man. TV junk is Greg. Gregory. Welcome, Gregory. Different, nice different to meet you. Persona, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, once, once I put on that, that uh, my mask, I'm a different person. We all wear masks. I, yeah. I'm into it. It's like, you know, it's like Bruce Wayne and Batman, right? Mm. Or Jim Carrey in the mask. Again, a, a lot of debate going on as to what, what the mask, <laughs> who wearing masks is what it's all about. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Peacemaker Season 1. Uh, we're going to be spoiling the shit out of the show. So if you haven't watched the show, put this on pause. Go watch all eight episodes. We'll be waiting right here. So if you're done, come back. And then you can listen to the show. Because I don't want anybody complaining. Because this is... We're talking about the show, so obviously there's not going to be any spoiler warning. Well, this is your your only warning. Uh, well, so, well, great. Well, great. Yeah. They might hear the review and then not want to go and watch the show. So that's the other issue. <laughs> well, that's why we kind of want them to watch it first, right? I think that's kind of important. The idea of the Peacemaker show. Go ahead. I just I know Sean's like he's fired up. He's not acting fired up, but he is fired up. Oh, okay. <laughs> like right now he's thinking like, what's everyone's first? What was TV like for the first time? Like, what was your introduction? Yeah, to let's TV? let's go back to the very beginning. <laughs> Do you remember your first <laughs> encounters with TV? I I don't, to be honest. But anyway, sorry, Sean, had to get that in. I mean, it's a great idea. That would be a whole episode, though. <laughs> it would be an episode for sure. So the idea of the show. Uh, 
came after uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And now, originally, they, they didn't really plan on having this sh- this show, but I think the the popularity of the Peacemaker character or, or just the way it came across on film, they went back and they filmed that extra ending um, at the end of Suicide Squad because that's when they decided to do the show. Um, so okay. James Gunn wrote all eight episodes. What? This is news to me. Like, is... I kind of remember the announcement for the show happening like right when the movie came out. So I'm assuming they decided to do the show like while they were editing the movie or something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's, they just, it came across so well with, uh, with Cena that, uh, that was kind of the inspiration of going ahead and, and, and doing the show. But James Gunn wrote all eight episodes. He directed five stars, John Cena in the title role of peacemaker, uh, Daniel Brooks as uh, out of bio, uh, Freddie Stroma as, uh, the vigilante, uh, Chikudi Uji as Clemson Moon, Mern, and we got uh, Jennifer Holland as Amelia Hardcore, Steve Agee as John Economos, and uh, Robert Patrick uh, as uh, August Smith or uh, White Dragon. So, how many were you guys familiar with the character of uh, Peacemaker before he appeared in the Suicide Squad? Not at all. No, not, not, no clue. Absolutely not. <laughs> So, not surprisingly, I, I was aware of, of Peacemaker. Um, but So he was created uh, in the comics by a guy named Joe Gill, and the artist was uh, Pat Boyette for Charlton Comics back in uh, 1966. So that character, Peacemaker, uh, has been around for quite some time now in the 60s. Now, originally, this character of Chris Smith, he was a, uh, a, a diplomat who was a, a pacifist who used non-lethal force to advance uh, his his causes, um, but obviously that has changed. But uh, have you ever heard of the comic series uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths? No. So this, yeah. All right. So this was a this was a huge event by DC Comics in the mid to late eighties, where they took all of their the properties that they they owned, and then brought them all into one universe, kind of like how marvel is essentially doing right now in their movies but with uh showing you all the other universes and kind of bringing uh, all the characters together so they did this and then they kind of relaunched the idea of the peacemaker character um and then now uh well after the crisis he he was kind of like this um mentally uh, unstable guy uh that was the, the illness was brought on by the fact that his father was a nazi death camp commandant so that's probably where uh, James Gunn pulled uh, a lot of this uh, character from uh, for the for the show. So I guess the the idea of Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad movie is like like a super ironic take of what the origins of the character are. Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay, it may, would make sense. Yes, because it's pretty much the exact opposite. opposite. Yeah. So did you did you feel after watching the Suicide Squad that Peacemaker was a character that could support his own show? I felt every single character of that movie needed their own show. <laughs> no, I didn't think anyone needed their own show. <laughs> yeah, I definitely... I, I feel like we did discuss that briefly when we reviewed Suicide Squad. I, I was not seeing it at the time. Like, I just did, I didn't see the appeal of the character. But, you know, uh, they, they may have uh, won me over. Well, I think they yeah. did, you know, like definitely found surrounding elements to the show. It wasn't like just a continuation of the movie. So I think it leans into all of its ideas in an interesting way, some more successfully than others, but uh, I don't think it's like 
a failure in terms of could this be a show? It succeeds on that level. I don't think that's even up for debate. Really. I mean, Greg, when you said that the fans really liked Peacemaker or they responded well to it, where, like where was that coming from? Because I haven't like he 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 maybe isn't necessarily the the person best for a TV show in that movie, obviously because he's not really a villain, but um, kind of is double crossing the team members. Well, I think. Uh... I think the idea of to, to have the show was, again, as Frank uh, uh, pointed out, it was during the editing. So I think it was the people behind the actual movie that felt that this character could be could be brought out and 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 do and doing more. But I think after like that movie was released and uh, people realized that we were going to get a show uh, shortly after the, the the movie came out. I don't know. I, I just think that. Uh, I think John Cena is is kind of a charismatic guy, similar to way uh, the Rock is, and I think that's probably why Frank doesn't really like him very much. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to think that that's part of the reason why they did a show is because it just Elba wouldn't reprise the role for a TV show, I don't think, and right, um, none of the other characters would either. So, you know, I don't think Margot Robbie is going to do one either. So, I mean, John Cena probably is the most available of the actors That's true. to do a TV, TV, do a TV show. Look, this guy wants to be out there. He wants to be famous. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> and uh, he is very popular. So I guess everything lined up with the Peacemaker. So uh, the idea of the show is, uh, is uh, Peacemaker is, is recruited back again to uh, uh join a, a ragtag group of individuals who um, are on like a secret black ops mission to uh, assassinate uh, a U.S. senator. Um, the idea being that uh, uh, there are a lot of people in power who um, have been taken over by an alien being that they refer to as uh, butterflies that are mind controlling them in order to uh, take over the entire world. Now, um, if that premise seemed a little bit uh, familiar of of an alien being taking over a large chunk of the planet it's kind of similar to what we actually saw in the suicide squad movie with the starro creature and all the little you know latching onto the faces and mind controlling people stars and stuff like that <laughs> yeah so it was i mean the fact that these were both james gunn properties and the the villain kind of at the end was kind of a, a similar thing. I thought that was really weird and an odd choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's mean, true. I thought there, I, my favorite thing about the show is the concept of the butterflies and the like sci-fi elements. And it's not what I expected or why I like James Gunn's stuff. Although he's definitely gotten better at it. What works for me the most in this show, I think it is very well done from like a structure and plot standpoint. Like, establishing things early, bringing them back in, in cool ways and tying up everything. Like all of the threads in the show kind of come together. And I think like plot and structure, it's one of the best shows out there. I mean, I was always kind of like impressed with a montage or uh, especially a music montage that kind of tied ideas back together. The pinnacle for me being the, uh, like when the butterflies get released at the one part, like that to me was my favorite moment in the show. I felt like this is everything in the show coming together, leading to the last two episodes, taking this cool sci-fi concept, paying it off kind of in the same way. I loved all the stuff in the suicide squad. And again, surprisingly, the emotional stuff is what works for me. Like the, 
the friendships that form between the crew or the team and uh, some of the, the familial stuff I, I wasn't as big on, but the actual bonds between the team I thought were really earned. And uh, I, I really like that stuff the, the humor was actually the weakest part of the show for me. I thought it was very, the same joke over and over again, just kind of reframed. And I, the shtick was kind of wearing on me kind of like all it's almost like an accelerated version of guardians of the galaxy. Like it's okay. James lean into this stuff. And I think I've said this before on film junk. Like I think he's better when he's, like not allowed to lean into stuff as much. I mean, I, I definitely agree about the comedy. Like the 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 joke to laugh ratio on this has to be out of control because for the first <laughs> you mean very like, low, very low. Like it's like a thousand to one because like <laughs> every line is like a joke in the in the show. It's like every every line is like sarcastic. Every line is trying to be a little bit snarky to the other character like everything it, like it's it, always like like uh doing something politically correct while addressing political correctness in the same in yeah. the same sequence like all, every joke has the same formula or yeah. like a lot of his writing you say something ridiculous and then it pays off later oh we actually did the ridiculous thing you thought was a joke like it's, yeah. it's the same structure of punchline and or like build up and punchline constantly. And Zach, yeah. I'm going to take personal offense to what you just did right there. Wow. Um, you, you know, you know, I have a comedy scale that is based on attempting jokes and rating them. And you, yeah. I think purposefully avoided acknowledging my comedy scale and almost reframing it as your own idea. It's the comedy ratio. Comedy scale. And it's been defined and established. I know you listen to the show. I know you know what I'm talking about. You're familiar with it. Don't just try to talk around it. You know how I know? Because one of my friends called me. Where I was talking, or I called him. We were talking today. He's like, "Hey, I was thinking about your comedy scale when I watched uh, Peacemaker." So you're not the first person to think this. Although no, some I people give credit where credit is due. And the comedy. I was, re I was referring to the scale comedy scale, is, but I call it a ratio. If I had to give it, no, look, <laughs> we're not going to go there. But if I had to give it a number on the comedy scale, that's average level of jokes. Uh, I would give it a. It's not like negative we're not getting into negative territory which can happen uh it's probably a 1.5 for me out of 10. wow um, i mean i'm i'm with you guys on the comedy i think i laughed more than you guys did though like i did i do like the comedy of the show i but i agree that it's trying so hard every second to be funny and sometimes it undermines some of the actual serious stuff that's going on but I think that my biggest surprise was that the plot really kind of hooked me. I dug sort of the the body snatchers kind of thing with the aliens, uh, the yeah, the bonds. I mean, again, very familiar. It's like you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, a bunch of outcasts form their own family, uh, but it worked. Um, and and some of the action I thought was actually pretty good. So I mean, overall, I really like the show. But I yeah, the comedy is just trying a little too hard, trying to be a little too edgy, that some of that stuff bugged me and just some of the James Gunn-isms bugged me. But aside from that, really like the show. Like there's the one joke about Diebeard that he must have done it at least 15 times throughout it. And then the only funny time was the very last time I okay. thought. Like I it's, it's like, that, it's like the, that, that one works. That's intentional setup. Yeah. And the payoff is good. Yeah. But I mean, it, it becomes so 
nauseating watching it where every line is this like weird joke and they're just overplaying the same jokes over and over again. I mean, it, it feels like, I mean, I have to kind of, if like I do, I know Frank, you, you hate John Cena because he's a Twitter personality. <laughs> um, he wants to be the rock, but I think he's funnier than the rock. I'll say that. I, hands down. I, I, I have, I have to hand it to him. Cause I don't think like someone like the rock would do a show like this. Like it, it's too out there. Yeah, he's too only maybe... the young rock on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, I know he wouldn't do something like this. So I have to like John Cena kind of is a bit riskier. I think he's not as concerned about his image or, maybe has less of a Twitter personality than the rock. So, I, I mean, he, he's, but he, I definitely feel like he's going to 11 in every scene. Like every scene is kind of like, he's at the highest level. He's screaming at every scene at every line he delivers, at least for like the first five episodes, but like at moments he's kind of funny and you kind of like him, but like, there's also just like an overtopness to him. That's kind of a bit too much to take, but. Yeah, I guess Greg, like, what did you like the show? Well, I think uh, I think we all know I'm when it comes to uh, comedy and 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 your your scale, Frank. Um, I think I'm uh, on the uh, the lowest common denominator. Whereas I found the show to be pretty funny. <laughs> I laughed okay. quite a bit. I mean, you know, you're not alone. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, like I, I do get what you're saying, where they they hammered out uh, a lot of jokes, uh, um, uh, probably like four or five different jokes, like they hammered them out, and um, most of the time I found them were, were pretty funny. Like the and the, yeah, the one did have the the big payoff, which we'll we'll talk about uh, 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 later on. Um, uh, you mentioned that you know, uh, you know, one of the the themes of the show is is like you know the the family aspect, the the friendship and and uh, the bonds that uh, get built. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, know your take on the other uh, costume hero, uh, the vigilante. And uh, have had you ever heard of him before this show? No, absolutely I, not. I had not heard of him. <laughs> now, okay, I'm curious what the character is in the comics because he came across like basically a rip off of Deadpool. And I think, I, I don't know if I'm crazy. I feel like they cast a guy who actually sounds like Ryan Reynolds. And, and you know, until you even see his face, I was like half wondering, like, could that be Ryan Reynolds? Like, it was so <laughs> weird how much it sounded like him. It's weird. I didn't think that. And my, usually my reaction with everything is like, Ryan Reynolds has to be in this. <laughs> he needs to be in everything on planet earth or be part of it. So uh, I, ne I honestly never thought that, anything about Deadpool or Ryan Reynolds at all listening to that character. And I thought I had another ca casting uh, conspiracy. Is it because his last name is Freddie Stroma and he has trauma in his last name, James Gunn. Like, <laughs> Good um, but uh, well, um, the character of Vigilante was, was created uh, almost 10 years before Deadpool. He showed up in the early '80s in uh, in the new Teen Titans. Uh, he was, in fact, a, a a person who was off his rocker and was murdering people. But the background on that character was uh, um, he was a, a district attorney in New York City who went nuts after his wife and ch children were murdered by a by a, I think it was a, a gang boss or a mafia boss or something like that. So he Ouch, did. He was crazy. Um, Ryan Reynolds, are you listening? Vigilante did it first. How does that feel? I mean, I, I I don't believe the dialogue was as was quite as quippy 
in the comic books, he was more of a, uh, I, I would say he, he was more of DC's answer to the Punisher in a way. Right. Um, it, it was a little more serious. If, if I remember correctly, I, I don't believe he was a, a, as quippy as like a Deadpool, but yeah, the, the idea of, uh, of a, of a psychopath murdering evil people, you know, in, in, in that way was yeah long before, uh, Deadpool. Now, uh, there was there was even uh, an earlier version of the vigilante character, from uh, I think it was even like in in the forties where he was. Uh, um, it was another uh, character that was purchased by DC and uh, kind of merged into uh, uh, their universe in that that crisis storyline I was telling you about. But he was a cowboy and uh, he had a a sidekick uh, whose name is is very problematic and i'm not going to mention what the sidekick's name was i'll mention it after we record if you remind me but it's uh probably a reason why the sidekick didn't appear much much further past uh, uh that this cowboy did um but i thought uh uh first of all like the, the costuming for the vigilante was perfect to his uh to his early eighties, uh, uh, costume, uh, from the comic books with the, with, with the teal. And they made a point to point out the, the teal and the storyline and the red and a little bit of yellow. Um, you know, again, probably not the, the best color of costume to have if you're sneaking around trying to kill people to have like bright flashes of uh, red and blue and yellow in your costume. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the, I thought that character was pretty good and I did enjoy, uh, um, uh, his friendship with uh, Peacemaker. I think the the best part about it was kind of the introduction to that character in general, because uh, like it, it wasn't the first time you actually see him uh, is in the the opening credits montage, which we still have to talk about, um, because he hadn't been introduced and he was just kind of showing up in that opening credit scene, uh, and then he kind of shows up just tapping on the window when he's uh, when he spots peacemaker crying originally doing his his face exercises i thought that was uh, a pretty well, great way to you, introduce the character what i i might have been not paying attention close enough or because when i rewatched episode one i had seen it before I, I might not have focused as intently on that did did vigilante like the first time you meet that character he's working in the restaurant right like you don't even find out later that Right, right. He's, he's, he's just a guy. Oh, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. you don't know who he is, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the busboy. And he's like all defensive about Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I, all excited that he's back. And like you kind of put it together later that he's vigilante. Yeah, I, I really like that introduction and that idea of him being like this hanger on kind of guy that Peacemaker doesn't even really want around. So it's weird. Like that kind of shifted throughout the series, like where they actually do have a friendship. And uh I think that's fine too, but I, I did really, I, I almost wish they would have stuck with this idea that he was just this annoying guy who just wouldn't leave him alone. And, and, and one other thing I'll throw out there with regards to the comedy with Peacemaker and Vigilante, I found it a little strange, like Peacemaker's kind of dumb throughout the show, you know, he's kind of like got a bit of Drax in him where he's like, doesn't understand things and, um, and, and that makes for some humor. But then when he's with Vigilante, it shifts and suddenly Vigilante is the stupid one. And Peacemaker is the one going like, what are you, an idiot? And like, and it's just a weird, like, I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just found it odd that suddenly I was like, oh, wait, Peace, Peacemaker is smart now, <laughs> at least comparatively speaking. Yeah, I, I wasn't that crazy about any of the characters, to be honest. I, I liked most of them. It wasn't like anyone was like, oh, I love this character, can't 
can't wait to spend more time with this character. They were all pretty good. I thought the casting was well done. And like we said, the the relationships and the interactions were good, but I, I just thought everyone was, was good. Not No one stood out as like, wow, this character's amazing. They need their own spinoff show, or I need more of this character. I had no such feelings. Other yeah, than I, uh, um, Steve Ag, and of course, uh, Robert Patrick, I don't... And... I don't recall seeing any of these other characters or, or any of these other actors in, in anything before. Like these, they seem to be um, like, were any of them in Suicide Squad? Any of the other ones? Like uh, um, yeah, uh, Mern, I don't Har believe Harcourt was. was. Harcourt was? Harcourt was, I think. Yeah. I think that actress is James Gunn's wife. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but, I, uh, I didn't remember her in the, in the movie, but no, I, I don't remember yeah, her. Yeah, it, it, it picks up it picks up from where she kind of the, the show picks up from her in where she kind of goes against uh, what Waller said right at the end, where they were supposed to kill um, Bloodsport. She oh. refused, and then that was her, I, I believe. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do remember that scene now. And it, it it kind of references that in the show too, where she like she uh, Harcourt turned against Waller and was being punished by having to do this assignment was kind of the thinking. How did you guys feel about uh, uh, like the rest of the cast then? I thought everyone was pretty good. I I guess I liked the somewhat subtle performances by comparison to Pe to Peacemaker of everyone else in the show. Uh, I thought everyone had a nice little like angle to them and uh, pulled it off well. I wasn't that crazy about Vigilante, to be honest, but I guess I, I kind of like what Sean was referencing about the switching the dynamic in terms of who the the idiot is in scenarios. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have super strong feelings about everyone, or nor super bad. Everyone was good. It, it was a pretty watchable show. Robert, uh, Robert Patrick has seemed to find a little niche for <laughs> characters that he plays. If I had to pick a least favorite uh, character, it was probably his. And I, this partly is James Gunn's writing. Like, when, like this need to be, like, so current. Like, this show in 10 years is almost going to be potentially, like, unwatchable. Like, it's, it's so in the moment. I've never seen a show that's so in the moment uh, culturally that I, I don't know what this show will like watching this in 10 years, what it'll be like. But when Robert Patrick's character says simp in the first episode, I'm like, yeah. what is like, who's writing? Like, this doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> I don't yeah, even know right. what simp is. <laughs> like who, it felt really uh, strange to me. And it wasn't like even a joke, like something where that character is aware of that word and using it. Like it was, it was a bad performance and writing in that scene, I thought. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if it, that character was probably the weakest one to me in the whole show. I mean, I mean, it does feel like it's a show written by like Twitter. Like it, it's okay. like every yeah, joke, exactly. every joke, every jo it's written by Twitter. And you could look at Twitter. Twitter <laughs> it's like, so that you make all these. Exists. Yeah. It's like the like, look at what's trended bears. in Twitter yeah. in the last two years and then make a joke about including Berenstein bears, like you said, or Berenstein yeah. bears, right? Everything that was kind of a meme or a thing, like let's turn that into a joke where yeah. like, McGruber is the exact opposite to me. And that's, Here we go. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why. What's the comedy scale on that one? It's pretty high. It's pretty fucking high. Although there are some, <laughs> there are some misses. I'm not going to lie, McGruber. But 
Like, give this us a number. Kind, like, kind of spoiler what's... for McGruber. It's a six. Uh, this is a spoiler. <laughs> no, it's it's a four and a half. Um, that's a I mean, little that's high. Six is high. Six is really high. Um, but out of ten, there's one comedic premise in McGruber <laughs> that ties into story and comedy that is like a universal idea, and it's brilliant. And it's the whoever smelt it dealt it idea. The, the people's. And turning that into what that show turns it into is a stroke of comedy brilliance. There is nothing at that level in the show at all. It is surface level kind of colloquial acknowledgements in joke form. So you wanted more yeah. fart humor? No, no. Believe me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but... It is way more than fart humor. <laughs> to be fair, there is some fart jokes in like, I think it's the second last episode or the last episode and... I think that was the funniest, the, the most I laughed in the show. <laughs> oh, when they're on the uh, on the, the the pet hospital truck, right? Yeah, and, and, and she's uh, trying. Adebayo was trying to apologize. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> can hear you back there. That that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really like Steve Steve Agee. Agee? I don't know. I, I liked him a lot. I mean, he's like I. I mean, he's like not a great actor, obviously, right? But that's kind of his appeal. And I kind of liked his some of his elements, but like it, it was also good because it kept him in a really relatively small role. Whereas I think the other ones are kind of like they're side characters, but they almost have like leading roles in here. They don't have much depth beyond it, like um, Harcourt and um, yeah, Adebayo I mean... doesn't really like. There's no depth to it. Like it's just kind of like it's a side character that they kind of elevate to a main character almost, but then. So, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, I didn't really feel the kind of connection to the character. I thought Autobio had more depth. Like, yeah, like, she's yeah, almost like the a, second lead character in a yeah, way. Yeah, but even still, there's not like a huge amount of stuff like her and her relationship. It kind of like they gloss over a lot of stuff in there. That's, well, there's her, her mother too. I, th I thought there was a, a, yeah. a lot more going on with her and I thought that was kind of interesting. Although, like, she hasn't talked about that much. The character I wanted more of or I... I liked was Mern. Uh, this I like in relation to the butterflies of like what that character represents. And I wish they would have gotten into that more. Like what, what I, I didn't get a sense of, uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought where that character went and the reveals for that character were the most interesting. Well, and, and then on top of that, like the ending kind of subverts everything he's saying. So then it's like, where is this coming from that that plot line it's like it's just thrown in there for no reason and destroys everything you've been watching and you have no yeah, reason, understanding why and you're like and then it just ends anyway so it's like okay whatever like it doesn't it has no point to the story at all where the show leaves off is probably the weakest part of the show to me like yeah. now now peacemaker is having these visions of his father and stuff like that like all this yeah. stuff seems to like oh we need a season two and it's I, I thought it was kind of weak where it ended up. Well, I, I kind of liked the fact that he was still uh, um, having visions of his his father. I mean, because like this character had um, so much trauma growing up uh, with the you know the death of his his brother and and uh, you know and how his father blamed him for it and he kind of blamed himself and all that and that was all like spurned on by uh stuff that is his father said and i think in other shows you know when you think he's finally putting into it when he when he shoots 
um, the white dragon in in the forehead, that that would kind of be uh, like the the relief that he's been seeking. But uh, you know that trauma was so deep that it still affected him uh, throughout the show. And I kind of thought that was pretty smart because that's not really you know that's how trauma kind of works. You know, there's no real end to it once you have yeah. your your breakthrough. I'm potentially like embarrassing myself here, but I don't remember the flashbacks earlier in the show, like, or not flashbacks, but like the visions of his father. What, when did those happen? Yeah, he has visions of he has him dreams. Uh, like he, he never sees his dad, like beside yeah. him. Well, talking yeah, well that's I what I mean. Play. Like uh, it's because like he's, 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 he's killed his, his father. Uh, but, you know, now his father is more around him than he was before because he's still yeah, kind of dealing with it. So, but why is he seeing him in reality now? Like you could, because he's a crazy memory. person. You could, but what? Uh, okay, when was that established in the movie or the show before this? I don't remember this. It it wasn't, but I think you can assume there's new trauma now from having killed his father that could, you know, bring those things up. Like I, I think that's reasonable to think that's the case, but. I thought it was like, how are we going to continue this in the next season? It, it was. Well, yeah, bit. I guess one thing I wanted to mention that I actually really liked about the show is for the most part, it's pretty self-contained. It tells like a pretty solid story from beginning to end. A lot of characters have arcs that, you know, they set up at the beginning and they conclude by the end of the, the season. So, I mean, in a way, by doing that well, they did kind of screw themselves for the second season. But, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think you're right. I, we haven't talked about the music yet, which. Yeah, I was, I was going to get to that. Um, um, how did you, first of all, like a, a lot of people are talking about the, uh, the opening title sequence. That's why it's there. So a lot of people talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Frank. <laughs> what you, you didn't like it? The only reason it's there to like, I did not like it. Are, were you familiar with the song by Wigwam before this? I was not absolutely okay. not. Right. <laughs> I, I I got to like I didn't hate it either. It just it just came off as this. This is the show's attempt to go viral. Then I saw articles saying James Gunn never wants you to skip the opening titles to this show. And it's like <laughs> okay, like we get it. It's 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 ludicrous for the sake of being ludicrous. But what I do like about it in relation to the show is how the show leans into everything. It, it doesn't play it too safe. And even though it may not work for me, I'd rather a show leans into all those ideas and like keeps going to it rather than just kind of doing a safe thing. And with the music, I thought I was going to dislike it. I actually really liked the show putting its own stamp musically on things with this kind of hair metal and newish hair metal ideas. And also like the idea of it's never a bad time to rock or I, I can't remember the exact words. Like I actually thought that was a good, like uh unifying principle, like thematically for the whole show. And uh, I thought that worked really well. I, it was songs I'd never heard before. I kind of liked them for the most part. And I, I, you know, you're doing TV, you're not going to maybe be able to get the, the big songs in the guardians of the galaxy. And this was a, maybe a lower budget way of, doing or putting a music stamp on a show that matched kind of who Peacemaker was. I think that's a really successful aspect of the show. 
I fucking loved the music. Um, and like I said, I, I like how they, um, you know, they didn't lean into you know, like White Snake or, or Cinderella or Skid Row. Like they really leaned hard into like bands like Pretty Boy Floyd and Hanoi Rocks. And, uh, you know, the fact that they used the fucking Wigwam song as, as for the main uh, titles, I thought was really cool. And it, I think there is that parallel where, you know, Superman and Batman are they're Cinderella and Whitesnake and Peacemaker is like the, <laughs> the level character that he is, is, you know, is Hanoi rocks, you know, what are the, the, the 11th street kids? Like that was their, their nickname for the group. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, some of the songs they, they must've wrote just for the show, right. Or some songs were written just for the show or. I don't think so. No, There's... I think they're all, they're all hair metal oh, songs okay. that are deep dives. Okay. Cause there was some that were like one of the songs in the last episode was definitely like they were talking is was very current in terms of what they were talking mm. about in the, in there, the there are some newer songs like i know the one oh. that that big butterfly scene that frank was talking about Monster when i heard that song i was like that's got to be ghost because it reminded me of ghost but it's not <laughs> but it's a more recent band like okay. the 2000s i think but yeah i mean music wise i like the music i thought it fit the tone of the show the one thing that kind of bugged me still the idea that Peacemaker, you know, is so into this music and he's like, you know, giving all these facts about bands and stuff like something about that didn't quite feel like that would be Peacemaker. But, um, you know, whatever, I can go with it. I, I just think, you know, like, what did you guys think of the Home Sweet Home, like actually playing on the piano sequence like that? It felt to me like. Well, John Cena can play piano, apparently, I guess. I assume that was him playing. Yeah, it was. Uh, so let's use it. Uh, but I didn't quite feel like I believed that Peacemaker actually could play piano. <laughs> that was, spoiler, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. Yeah? Yeah, I love that scene. I didn't, I guess I didn't get the vibe Sean got. I, to me, it was, obviously, that's when it starts to get into the uh, the brother history and the home sweet home idea so it was more of like a a musical tie-in that probably didn't need uh performance rights just publishing rights <laughs> or did they play the actual song in the beginning of the next episode i can't i think they did play the song somewhere but yeah yeah i mean other than that like it it did fit the show well and you know some deep cuts there it wasn't uh super obvious stuff so i'm sure you loved it right frank the music? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was. It felt refreshing. I thought I would get tired of it, but I didn't. So, you, you, Frank, you mentioned earlier how uh, uh, how you, you thought that the show probably wouldn't hold up very well 10 years from now. And I think, uh, I think the biggest culprit in, in that was uh, uh, Goff uh, when, when he was uh, in the uh the the police officer and and she was kind of laying out the reasoning why she needed peacemaker to help them transport the the cow away uh, and she kind of leaned uh just basically saying everything that is wrong with earth about like it was very heavy-handed about what was going on like they like it was heavy on climate change her speech was heavy on like wealth and money and greed over over like the future of the planet like they you know, heavy on masks and vaccines when they talked about yeah, minor inconveniences. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it was really like current shit that they were talking about right now. And uh, I could, I totally see why like 10 years from now, you know, 
will that still yeah, be the show, is, the show is so of the moment that i mean i i actually respect it in some ways that it, it going back to my other idea about like it's not playing it super safe or thinking about like how you know is this a show everyone's gonna love forever i, I think it's kind of nice to have a comic book show that is kind of in the moment but at the same time i'm like it's it it gives it a shelf life for sure i think yeah i guess the the one thing there too is um there was some sorry go ahead i know i just just to tie into that last point like the baron's stain bears thing is kind of like that too that was like a thing i heard about in the last couple like everything is like yeah i really disliked that like going to something that someone else has discovered and other people have talked about and then pulling it into the show. Like that seems lazy to me. Well, well, it's also so that when you're watching it too, that you're like, Oh yeah, I heard about that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah. And there's, there, there's no joke in, in that scene. It's just like, Oh, well, I recognize they, they, that. I, I saw that same thing. Well, the laziness is all about like, it's just, Oh, I've heard of that thing or that's yeah. something I hear about in the news or yes, that's same this. with like, Simper. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, that's something I'm familiar with, or I've heard about it, even though I yeah. might not even know what it is. And that is like, ugh, that's just so lazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I feel I, like I, a, I, a lot of these narratives are just recognition now. It's like, oh, I recognize that character. Oh, that's a, that's the character. That's a joke I recognize. That's a, uh, that's, that's a c- culturally relevant thing. Yeah. Like, it's a climate it's, change, or that's, you know, whatever. It's I'll disagree on celebrities and recognition and, Oh, here's, I remember that from 20 years ago. Like why is remembering something funny? Like I, I don't get it. I'll disagree in the sense that some of that stuff that you guys are talking about, I don't think the reference is supposed to be funny. It's just a spark for an argument. And the argument is supposed to be funny, like between peacemaker and vigilante or something like that. I but mean, yeah, like, my cynical take is it's it's there just so that people will write about it on Twitter and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This, they were talking about this on Twitter. That's my cynical take. I think like they're all just written for people to tweet about. And I was <laughs> I was I started following James Gunn this week on Twitter and he just retweeted something about how Peacemaker was the most had the most engagements online this week, uh, according to like Variety magazine. It had like 600,000 versus like Euphoria had 200,000 or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I think that's just what a lot of the TV is now. It's just like, how can we increase engagement on social media so people will talk about it? And it, it just, I don't know, if somebody's I feeling- I have a soundboard clip for that, Zach. Oh, it just makes me barf in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's a billion TV shows out there, so they're struggling to get noticed any way they can, I think. But I mean, obviously, this has got DC Universe tie-ins, so that's giving it a bit of an advantage to begin with. And I mean, they do push a few other DC tie-ins as well, but I mean, that stuff was definitely not my favorite stuff. (laughs) The funniest thing to me in the whole show were the long jokes the the dye beard payoff and the Aquaman fucking fish thing was probably my favorite thing in the whole show. <laughs> oh, have you have you seen have you on Twitter? There's a big backlash from DC fans about the Aquaman stuff. Have you have you guys seen this or no? Absolutely. Greg? No. <laughs> uh, no, no. But this the, you're proving your own point is that you're yes, you're, you're going to Twitter and finding out all this shit to talk about. <laughs> what else is what else? <laughs> when it comes to this. Stuff. <laughs> He hates it, but he loves it. 
<laughs> I, I guess like a lot of um, uh, like Zack Snyder fans really hate it because you know him yes. and him and James Wan um, like really tried to like make Aquaman really serious and respectable and and then um, James Gunn came around and just started mocking Aquaman and trying to criticize him for you know fucking a fish or whatever so a lot of these fans a lot of Zack Snyder or DC fans are kind of irritated at it because of how he's kind of undermining perhaps the vision of of uh Schneider <laughs> I, I am a little surprised like I thought because there was a reference in the last episode to Green Arrow and I was like oh that's the level of cameo they could definitely get in here and then when they actually had the Justice League or at least two of them I was like yeah okay like it, it seemed a bit of overkill but <laughs> yeah like I, I well and really like they haven't even introduced green arrow in like the dc movies yet so he's not right, even a, a character so i was actually kind of surprised that they they, they name dropped that character although like i never watched it but i, I know there is a there was an arrow show on right. cw for for many many years and uh i guess when they made that on twitter when they heard that oh (laughs) well that's what i mean i was just going to point that out like people uh people started uh tweeting uh stephen uh stephen amell who played the 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 green arrow on the show about hey did you did you see the shot that they took on green arrow in uh, in peacemaker and he responded something like uh no i haven't watched them i've been too busy trying to show john cena how to be a real pro wrestler or something like that because he's in a wrestling show now and but yeah that's that's this this television show was made specifically to get people talking on twitter and, <laughs> and because everything is leading back to twitter um, it is but so, so what did you think about the, the appearance of uh, the justice league at, at the end of the show i loved it i wasn't a fan just didn't I mean, I get that they want this to be in that universe, but to me, like, it's a totally separate tone. Like, I want this thing, to, Peacemaker, to be kind of its own thing. I also liked it because every there's so many stupid bullshit clickbait articles about, hey, how come uh, the Eternals didn't help in Avengers? And like, like explaining every nuance of like why isn't people why aren't people helping? So this was kind of a joke and acknowledging like all of this was going on without the Justice League. So I thought it worked. I actually wish they kind of did a little bit more with it. Like if they're going to have them talk, like Aquaman say a couple of lines, like I thought he would make some more jokes about like, Oh, we just, sorry, we, we showed up like too late or whatever. Or, you know, I don't know. They just didn't really do anything other than just stand there. And then I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, that's, that was kind of the joke is that, uh, you know, he, 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 he spent so much time during the, the, the show, like just shitting on all the members of the Justice League in order for them to show up late at the very end, and I don't know. I think he yeah. told them to go fuck themselves, which was, um, I thought was pretty funny. Um, uh, apparently, they did film that with uh, a shadowy uh, Batman and and Cyborg as well, but uh, for whatever reason, the, those two characters were cut out uh, mm-hmm. in the last episode. And again, the only reason I know this is because the guy who was in the Batman suit took a photo of himself and put it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, controversy. Maybe maybe Warner Brothers didn't want them to put uh, Batman in it because of the movie, which is coming up. 
the whole reason that they appear in here is so that people will be like, oh, they appeared in the movie. They finally appeared. I was wondering when this was going to happen and then tweet about it. And Well, I mean, it's and someone, someone controversy, I, why, like why is it's almost the best decision possible. If if your theory is correct, and yeah. I think it is, Zach, that this is about engagement, then you don't put everyone in. That's only one yeah. level of engagement. If you include people and exclude people now it's two levels of engagement why yeah. are they included and why not them <laughs> then you get the reference then you get everything else Ugh. Yeah, yeah and and then it's so that ign will write an article <laughs> where where is batman and then season two comes out they're gonna write an article do you think Batman will appear in Peacemaker season two? <laughs> and then their comment section just becomes like, like a cesspool. As yeah. And well, I think the article would be like uh, five reasons why Batman will be in the new Peacemaker season and five reasons he won't be. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's I mean, how that, those articles go. The cameo definitely had a huge effect in terms of when the finale dropped it was kind of like, you got to watch this or else it's going to be spoiled for you, you know? And then like right away, it's like, oh, the finale had the most viewership of whatever on HBO Max. And it's, you know, they use these little tricks just to like force people like you have to watch it now or you have to see it in theaters, you know, like. Yeah, but I I, I do think the reason that uh, Batman was cut out because he's got the, they've got the Robert Pattinson movie coming out um, shortly after that. And, I think there is kind of a lawsuit with Ray Fisher and who played Cyborg in the the Snyder yeah. movie and, um, with with Warner Brothers. So I, I can imagine why they wouldn't want to put that character or have that character in there in the final cut. Uh, yeah, anyway. that one, the Batman thing I would think would be more okay. What was the Justice League last time we saw them? Right, and which like is that can't like is the new Batman like is this reestablishing a different timeline and. Like they, yeah. they made a decision. Like if you're reading into it and that's the Twitter thing is like, okay, this new Batman is different from that Batman. Once again, Twitter strikes. I mean, I have to, so I guess every episode ends with a, some other additional scene or something, right? At I the end of the credits. I only saw I, a few of them. I yeah. The, the, I think in, um, yeah, I think I only saw two extra scenes oh, okay. and, uh, um, but both of them just seem to be like, um, just like other takes from from that particular scene. It was just it was just extended um, ramblings from Cena in the one who was just listing uh, other people that could have been framed for the job in the one scene. He started listening listing um, characters from Sesame Street and Ronald McDonald and Grimace and all that and yeah. and then the other one I think was in the last I episode. Grimace. Remember? Remember Grimace? Remember? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, there was a vigilante scene that uh, uh, I can't remember which particular scene it was extended stuff on but yeah I think it was only a couple but none of them were essential to the story I don't think. Yeah I watched it on Crave and yeah. I got when it there i didn't check but if there was an end credit sequence like it didn't give you the skip to next episode but right it, it, it continued on its own so you could see it so i don't think there was much else so uh what what else anything uh more you guys wanted to uh, uh say about the show like any other thoughts before we move into some other segments 
I, I really liked that. I'm curious what you guys think in terms of, like, I thought it was better than all of the, the MCU shows we've seen so far on Disney+. Plus. Um, I mean, even just thinking of superhero or comic book movies in general, I think it's one of my favorites. But maybe, I don't know, are there any that I'm not thinking of? Like, I, I really like The Boys. I think The Boys is an interesting comparison to Peacemaker. But yeah, I never watched The Boys. I think I like the boys a bit more. Like it's, it's darker. There's like a really interesting tension throughout it. It's definitely, it is also commenting on current things, but I think it's, it goes a bit deeper. Um, but that's just yeah, me. I, I think I like Loki a bit more than this uh, out of all the comic book shows, but I'd say it's probably second next to Loki. Now I haven't watched any other DC shows. I know there's tons of them. I, I've never really seen any of them. I haven't watched Daredevil or any of the Netflix ones either. So I've only seen the Disney Plus ones and this one. And yeah, Loki is a bit better for me, but this one's close. The problem with the net, some of the Netflix ones are, are good. The problem with them is that they didn't need to be 13 episodes long. And I think a lot of the times the story got really stretched out and uh, it was a little slow from time to time but um i think all three seasons of daredevil were good and the the season of punisher i thought was excellent um and jessica yeah. jones was good too i mean i haven't watched a lot of them, most of them but i mean i've seen some of the netflix ones i feel like the one thing i really liked about it is it's kind of prestige tv but not trying to be prestige tv which i think is kind of like what a lot of the shows try to do is they try to draw out everything really super long. And I mean, I will say like um, Peacemaker was a really easy watch. Like I was surprised yeah. at how quickly episodes went by. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a chore to watch. Like a lot of the shows where it's just like every moment has to be dissected and expanded super long. So I think it was a very like breezy watch. Like I was surprised at like how quickly the episodes went by i mean there's not not a huge amount happened but it, it was a very easy watch like i mean there's something to be said about you know a solid 45 minute episodes for for a television show and i think when they they can uh, uh compact the the story and the plots in into that short of a time it just it makes for a much better a better mm -hmm. watch where you know you know you kind of i would prefer to want more of it than want uh, less of it. Um, as far as, uh, you know, kind of violent superhero shows, have any of you guys watched uh, Invincible, which is on Amazon Prime? No. Yes. It's uh, it's animated, and uh, uh, the character was created by the guy that created The, the Walking Dead, and he's, it's about a, a, a kid who inherits kind of superpowers from his uh, from his father, and uh, um, it's a pretty violent uh show and uh for for an animated show anyway but uh i would recommend it i think it was really well done did you like it sean yeah i did i mean it, it definitely at the end of the first episode really hooked me and uh you know yeah i think at times it felt like it was trying to push it a little bit with the violence but um i yeah i'm, I'm actually looking forward to the next season so all right, so uh, I kind of wanted to go around the the table and and kind of talk about your 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 favorite moments from uh, the series. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the stuff already. I jotted down five things that kind of uh, stuck out uh, uh, for me. Um, one of them being uh, uh, Cena playing uh, "Home Sweet Home" on the piano. I don't know. I just I I like the fact that they kind of tapped into some stuff that 
John Cena himself uh, could do. Not, he can also speak Mandarin. And so I'm kind of glad they didn't try to fit that in somewhere. That might have been a little weird. <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> that, that's season two, I'm sure. <laughs> he um, he actually, uh, while he was still with, with the WWE, he, he taught himself how to speak Mandarin. And I think essentially so when they broke into the market in China that he could do like press conferences and, and things like that. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so I don't know his background in, in learning to play piano, but uh, so, yeah, so hopefully we won't get any Mandarin in season two, but you never know. Uh, what, what were some of the, uh, the stuff that you guys liked in the show? Specific scenes. Are we doing this top five? I would, like. Yeah, I, I, I jotted down five, but if you don't have five, that's all right. I got five. You all right. You want a top five, you'll get a top five. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, my number five is something we haven't touched on yet, the Peacemaker helmets. And that's something I'd like to see more of, different helmets with different powers. Uh, I thought that was pretty well done and a nice payoff to one of them in the final scenes. Uh, number four, the soundtrack. I thought it was pretty successful. Yep. Number three, long joke payoffs. Not the small jokes, but the long payoff jokes worked well for me. Number two, the concept of the cow, the butterfly cow and milking it and producing this substance. And like when Mern, when he, like he's revealed he's a butterfly and like how they drink it up, like that stuff was solid. I love the cow. <laughs> uh, and number one, the, the butterfly release montage at the end of episode six. Uh, yeah, right. The rest of my uh, uh, top five, um, the uh, I, I really enjoyed the final uh, fight scene uh, on the farm with Peacemaker, uh, Vigilante, and Harcourt versus all the the butterfly cops. I That's thought that good. was it was really well done. It was a great action scene. Um, the the opening credits slash like the hair metal choices throughout the show. Um, again, one of the long uh, um, uh, long joke payoffs like uh, Peacemaker's like lies and stories about the other DC heroes. You know. Aquaman fucking the fish, Batman. There was tons of digs against Batman. Um, him revealing that Superman has like a scat fetish, I thought was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> um, uh, but I think my, my favorite scene, and, and Frank, I know you're going to hate it, but uh, when Peacemaker is, is in the vet room with Eagly and he's having that moment where he kind of apologizes uh, and, you know, Eagly wakes up and gives him the eagle hug. Like CGI eagles, like tugging at the heartstrings, man. I mean, really, killed, Frank, we, Frank, we, we got to ask. Yeah, we didn't yeah, talk about Eagly. If, if they had killed off Eagly, I would have canceled the podcast 100%. <laughs> I mean, Bald Eagle is definitely in my top five birds of all time. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm not, it's a good bird. Well, <laughs> I just, I, I, the fact that you have a top five birds, I, it's, actually, it's not surprising, but it's still pretty funny. <laughs> Save it for another episode, but uh, I, I liked Eagly. I thought it was a pretty successful, like, new idea of this animal partner or friend. I thought all the stuff with Eagly was pretty good. And how, yeah, how did you like the CGI? I mean, it's, it's for a TV show, it's good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I really liked Eagly, very unique. Uh, you cared for him. I, I, you know, I, I guess if I had a complaint, there's a, there's a a bit of a balance issue there where it's like when he actually attacks and helps out, he's amazing. But then half the time he doesn't listen and he just, you know, and there's some good humor with that, but it's kind of like inconsistent. Like, is he 
Does he Definitely. is he trained or is he not trained? I don't 100%, know. Hundred percent, Sean. I'm with. I was gonna say the same thing when he drops the helmet at the end. It's like uh, this this joke doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I laughed. I did laugh. That I mean, joke. He's he's it's just like uh it's just like a dog. You know, he's trained to protect his 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 loved ones. You know, and so that's that's just instinct. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident that my dog would protect me if I needed to. But if I tell that motherfucker to drop the ball when we play fetch and he doesn't, I mean, you know, it's like sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. I mean, I I don't have a top five. Don't? No, I don't. I (laughs) have a bottom five? (laughs) No, I I, I mean, I just didn't make format. Well, I mean, a lot of them are similar. Like, I, I did like the cow a lot, actually, too. I actually, I kind of liked it at the end when they kind of arrived there and you see it. I actually wish it was, there was more to the cow, too. Um, you wanted more they, milking? Yeah, I yeah. definitely would have wanted some milking scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish they would uh, have, like, told that story a bit more. Like, they kind of do at the end and stuff. So, I mean, I, I don't know why they didn't with the cow and... Um, I liked I liked a lot of the jokes at the beginning in the first episode when they're kind of making fun of uh, Bloodsport a little bit um, about like how his dad tortured him and stuff. And <laughs> they're, they're kind of <laughs> Robert Pat, Pat Patrick and um, um, John Cena are kind of mocking him and how he's such a coward and stuff and how he used to be picked on and stuff. So I, I kind of like that kind of humor when they're kind of. I mean, it definitely goes over the top with a lot of the humor and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with the payoffs. Like some of them come around at the end with like Die Beard at the end becomes funny, but most of them are, aren't uh, like the individual ones are not per episode. I mean, I also think like the last two episodes, I think, are the strongest of the series. I think it really comes together. It, it, it maybe is a little bit slow for the first little bit, um, but I think the kind of emotional aspects that they're trying to hint at kind of don't really come together until episodes maybe seven and eight, I think, are the, I think those were kind of the strongest overall in terms of everything. Sean, what about you? Well, mine are pretty much a lot of the same ones have already been mentioned, but number five, body snatchers plot, just, you know, the aliens and stuff really like that. Number four, the police station swarm sequence, musical sequence, uh, number three, the helmets, as Frank mentioned. I mean, I, I feel like they were underused for most of the show, but then, yeah, I liked I how they came up in the question final. Question relating so. to that, with like you, with the X-ray helmet, you can see the butterflies in the brains. Like, how did the butterfly bodies get across the planet? Like, did they? Did their, they fly their spaceships individually to each of those bodies, or I got the sense they all came together? And you won't be able to fly through an airport. You go through x-rays at airports all the time. They're going to see the butterflies in your head. Like it, it raised a lot of questions to the feasibility of this, uh, this butterfly scenario. Even though I liked when it was revealed that Mern was a butterfly using that helmet, uh, it, it, it possibly raised more questions than it answered, to be perfectly honest. Some good questions that I don't have answers for. Frank. Uh, number two, the cow, as you guys mentioned. I, I think just the, how gross some of the stuff in the show is overall i really like that and number one the forest action sequence or whatever like when the cops are coming to get them and they're trying to get away i don't know for some reason that was where the show really like for me kicked in and i was like wow i'm actually like really caught up in this plot and like the action and like it's all like firing on all cylinders so uh yeah 
really like that. You know, I, I don't, uh, I haven't uh, read too much of the, the Peacemaker stuff, like, uh, probably since, like, the, the early 90s. And I, but I don't recall him actually having uh, different helmets that did different things. So I'm not sure if this is new, uh, that James Gunn kind of came up with it just uh, for the show to add more stuff to it or not. But uh, it was a pretty ingenious idea. Um, I don't quite understand that why his father would have made all the helmets, considering that he didn't particularly even like him as a son to begin yeah. <laughs> with. So that was a little strange. Um, uh, and his uh, his kind of his his layer that existed on a different plane or or whatever that was that was pretty interesting as well and um, kind of an unusual um, thing to expect from a, a character like him yeah uh, even even just mentioning all that stuff i'm surprised that they killed off the white dragon in the first yeah. season like it just seems like there was so much more you could do there and but the whole that's point just gonna... been, is that why isn't that why the 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 delusions or yeah i guess they're going to carry it forward that way maybe but yeah i was just about to ask like what you guys thought about white dragon because it seemed like that plot line was going to be bigger than it was and it didn't go that far it kind of ended really abruptly in the show yeah i mean unless you know maybe his followers will still continue on and be a presence um but it just yeah it seems like that's a huge thing to have like your dad is this you know despicable villain and you know there's just so much you can do and they just kill him but again i like that it was kind of very self-contained so I can't fully complain about it, but it's just surprising. All right, so um, I wanted to ask what you guys thought was your uh, your favorite secondary character. I mean, the answer is clearly Eagly. So I, I don't I don't really know <laughs> yeah. what you guys are gonna say, but uh, um, I think uh, that Eagly was where most of my enjoyment of the show came from. I mean, I was gonna say Eagly as well. I mean, I know it's kind of like an obvious just. You know, he steals all the scenes. He's like the thing everybody's talking about. But uh, I mean, I don't, honestly, a lot of the other characters, I like them, but none of them really stood out, you know? And Eagly definitely stands out. So I'm going to say Eagly. I don't know. I, I mean, I would go with John Economist. I thought he was, I don't know, the most, the funniest, I think, of all of the side characters. I thought that was, I liked, I mean, I liked the actor too. It just as kind of deadpan delivery all the time. And, I mean, the, the, like the last scene that he's in where he kind of comes injured is one of the, I think, bigger laughs in the show too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, w I would say him and, but yeah, I would agree with Sean that a lot of the side characters are not that enjoyable of characters or not that interesting. I mean, my mine would be Mern uh, and it's for the plot reasons I talked about, like the finding out that character is a butterfly and how they tie into everything. But also I think I like that character cause they're not trying to be funny. They're like, I, I like the actor that, that plays Mern and it's, they're just, they're almost a grounded, like just regular part of the show. And I wish the show had more of that. He was kind of the straight man for a lot of the like arguments yeah. and stuff that were happening, which worked pretty well. I need more Mern in this show. Less, <laughs> less Peacemaker. More Mern. That's what we, yeah, that's what we need. Um, 
So uh, one of the other things I, I thought might have been kind of uh, fun to do is if uh, if you could recast uh, one of the characters, um, you know, who would that actor be and what would be your reasoning? And it's funny, uh, Zach, how uh, you mentioned that John Economist was your, your, your favorite secondary character and he really liked uh, Steve Agee. Um, He's actually the person that I would actually recast uh, in this show. Although he was he was he was okay, um, uh, I kind of kept seeing uh, an equally large and weird uh, actor in his place, uh, Brian Posehn. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, uh, I mean, while I was watching, I was thinking because I think they were both on um, the Sarah Silverman show, right? They were like a couple yes, in the yes, show. they were. Yeah, they were. they were. Yeah, I mean, like they're both very similar, and I mean that's why I, I mean, well, I, whenever I see him, I think about his role in that show, and I think they're both right. like quite funny. Thought you might say Sean Gunn instead of that actor, because <laughs> oh yeah, isn't Sean like he's not in this? He's hasn't even he been in all his stuff, or I th- no, I don't, I don't know, think I, he is I, in it because I think Steve Agee's in all of his stuff as well. But yeah, he he is in in the Suicide Squad. I'm checking squad, Sean yeah. Gunn, and he's not in uh, in this. So I'm hmm. going on there. But I mean, the other this isn't who I would have recast. But I'm surprised people weren't saying that. Uh, uh, what's Robert Patrick Patrick's character's name? August. 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 Uh, uh, White Dragon isn't. Uh, oh, I just had it. Yondu. Who, <laughs> who oh yeah. That? Yeah, he would Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, like how is Michael Rooker oh, yeah. in here? But I would That's recast. True. I didn't think Robert Patrick was that good. I mean, they joke about it in the show. You got to get Schwarzenegger for this. That's going to get the Twitter world going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I saw uh-huh. I saw Robert Patrick in something else recently. I mean, is he making a comeback? I I don't know. Well, so is Lachlan Monroe, the, yeah, <laughs> the I mean, police yeah. officer. He was in um, the cosmic sin or whatever it is the new bruce (laughs) oh boy huge so they must they must be filming in like vancouver on campus yeah exactly well i saw at the end of the credits there was a a canada um production it was was all filmed in vancouver makes sense Um, yeah i mean lachlan Monroe is in every canadian production yeah I, i haven't seen him in a long time yeah. What what did did James Gunn have something to do with one of the Scooby Doo movies? I think he wrote. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he wrote it. I think he wrote yeah. both of them. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think I read recently that uh, he originally wanted Lachlan Monroe to play Shaggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's who he had envisioned before uh, Matthew Lillard got the role. Not Sean Gunn. That feels like a Not Sean Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean Gunn was Scooby Doo. What was he really? No, no. <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be possible for sure. Yes. Sean, did uh, you have a, a recasting suggestion? Yeah. I mean, this was really hard. I, to be honest with you, uh, my recasting idea was I thought, you know, vigilante, he's got something, he kind of works, but like get somebody else in there. And I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. And I know this makes absolutely no sense, but in terms of the sense of humor that I want to see from vigilante, it's Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> just some a- annoying kind of twerp that just like <laughs> will not leave you alone. To be fair, I wanted to recast Vigilante and I couldn't think of. Yeah, that was actually mine too, is like recasting Vigilante, but I have no idea who. 
Well, uh, fun fact, uh, uh, Freddy, uh, what was his name? Freddy Stromo, Freddy Stroma. Uh, he actually wasn't the original person cast in the role. They actually filmed five and a half episodes with a different actor oh, as Vigilante, oh, a guy by the name of, I think it was Chris Conrad, um, who I had never heard of. Um, hmm. And I even looked him up on IMDb and I hadn't heard of any of the stuff that he had been in, but apparently he left over, left over creative differences over the character. Really? Yeah. So they had to reshoot a, a lot of those scenes or just do overdubs. Well, hmm. I, I did think about recasting Eagly, but it is appropriate <laughs> for the character. And is Eagly in the comic books? Uh, again, not aware if that's something new. Okay. Yeah, because I like this, and I, I know people don't like when the villains have, uh, you know, the same thing as the hero. But I want there to be villains with birds, and the, t- like the, they fight, and the birds fight. And you know, I'll give you my top five birds while we're at it. Please do. <laughs> Number five, the flamingo. Uh, very interesting bird, interesting pose, coloring. Uh, under, uh, it's a popular bird, but it's popular for a reason. It's Frank. It's an bird. Frank, yep. do you know what a group of flamingos is called? Is it a tango? It is not. <laughs> what? What is it? It is a flamboyance. Oh, okay. Oh. Hmm. That's interesting. I, that yeah. was one of my favorite things to do at work with someone I worked with. Talk about what groups of animals were called. I should know that. <laughs> Um, I'm not even kidding. We did talk about it a lot. I have no doubt. For a week. And then my number four, you're going to notice a theme. And I want to just say, this is not intentional. And I'm not being influenced by their names. Three of my top five birds have the word great or greater in it. And maybe these birds are just named appropriately. Not color my list. Number four, the great hornbill large bird with a, a beak and an inverse concave horn on top of the horn. Uh, absolutely striking if you ever see it in person. Number three, bald eagle. Huge, majestic, beautiful, amazing bird. Number two, the greater sage grouse. Uh, That's not number one? No, it has two like um, sacks on its chest that inflate and warble mm. on the male. Uh very interesting bird worth checking out and number one the great blue heron uh, it was my favorite bird as a child it's a bit nostalgic but uh i absolutely get a thrill every time i see one and i love the great blue heron no no puffin hey i like puffins too but this is yeah. my top five i gotta cut it off somewhere well i think this is the the perfect time to announce that uh uh Frank and I are going to be starting a new podcast called Bird Junk. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about birds. A couple birds. <laughs> Maybe an Oriole. We'll talk about the, or- the Oriole. Sure. <laughs> it's a great idea. Uh, do you guys have uh, a top five birds handy? Uh, <laughs> no, I, mine's in the other room. I the other room? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so so uh, final final thoughts and on... Uh, on Peacemaker season one, is it streamable or is it forgettable? Hmm. I mean, it's definitely I mean, streamable. It's yeah. a little bit of both. It's definitely streamable, but I think maybe in a couple of years it's going to be forgettable. <laughs> I stream the show anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you recommend to someone to do it? Yeah, we we got to give star ratings, no? Like, that's a staple. 
Star ratings? Well, okay, so what would be appropriate for, for this one? Because, I mean, Film Junk does the five stars, and Ball Junk does a rating out of two. <laughs> I think it's five. Game, you think Junk you... does, Game Junk does five. I think if we're talking legit uh, star ratings that will last for eternity longer than the show itself, it needs to be stars. Okay, all right. So, uh, Frank, what's, what's your star rating for Peacemaker? It is a three and a half out of five. Zach? Uh, I'm going to go three stars. John? Well, I'm going to step it up. I'm going four and a half. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, I will also go four and a half along with you, Sean. I, I enjoyed this show uh, uh, very much. Uh, honestly, the only the only thing that I had uh, a slight issue with was just the fact that, you know, the uh, the 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 whole alien thing was just really similar to Suicide Squad. I just thought it was very strange that they would take uh, that aspect that was pretty much identical and uh, and take it from one James Gunn project to the next James Gunn James Gunn project. But overall, I thought the I thought the show was super fun. Like it was an easy uh, eight episodes to to get through. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with season two. Like, uh, I'm assuming that, uh, Goff is going to be sticking around cause, uh, he kind of showed up there at the end on the porch and, uh, I actually half expected eagerly to eat him at the <laughs> end there. Uh, but that didn't happen. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, the final running gag was eagerly dropping the dead animals that happened quite a few times during the series, which that's, that's, uh, that's ending the show with a negative two on the comedy scale. Uh, all right, let's, uh, I wanted to, uh, uh, ch check out and, uh, some of the, uh, the emails and comments we got about, uh, the show. I put it out on, on Twitter about, uh, you know, suggestions that, uh, uh, people had uh we had uh one from uh drew everybody knows drew uh he suggested uh we New think Gentino? about oh, pardon me this new gentino or different it is yeah hmm. uh he suggested uh uh the shrink next door which i think is on apple tv i've seen the first two episodes our friend uh the falsk she suggested uh atlanta Mm, yeah, which I got to catch now, up on that. Which is now on uh, Disney Plus. Oh yeah. Yeah, Kim on Twitter suggested. Uh, well, she knows uh, what Frank likes. She suggested The Bachelor or Love Is Blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck yeah! And then uh, those uh, episodes would be too hot for podcasting. That's true. Trek fangirl with three R's and girl suggested uh, True Detective. And the other one is to uh, do uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Greatest Episodes with special guest Jay Cheel. She even recommends somebody to bring on the pod for that. Hmm. So, yeah, I keep your somebody choices. Somebody else who likes Star Trek, too. He's but... only watching ER with three R's in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that other person who watches Star Trek will never be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to the sadness of, of probably some people who are listening. But uh, uh, anyway, yeah, so if you want to uh, send us your uh, suggestions, uh, feel free, uh, uh, tvjunkpodcast at gmail.com or uh, uh, send them on Twitter, tvjunkpodcast. Give us a follow while you're at it. I would appreciate that. Um, already almost e e eclipsed the, uh, the ball junk Twitter. So people really want the TV. 
more than mm. balls in sports. Mm. Wow. So that's great. Uh, all right. So that's uh, episode one, guys. Uh, Frank, where can people find you on social media? Absolutely nowhere. Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, Zach, where can people find you? Uh, it's at Zach Bronson uh, on Twitter. And uh, Sean? I am at Film Junk on Twitter, at Dwired, I believe, on Instagram, and also, I guess, Film Junk Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the show, guys, and we'll see you for episode two. And don't forget to turn off the TV. You can watch Mr. Rogers, you can watch Three Company, and you can turn on fame or the newlywed game or the Adams Family. Say, you can watch Barney Miller, and you can watch your MTV, and you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head.